0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lynn S. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Wednesday, March the 2nd, and we're reading from the big book, continuing our study of the forward to the second edition. We're on page XVII, reading the first paragraph, hence the two men and reading and commenting on that one paragraph only. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Dwight M., 12 Traditions, Terry Day, and readers of the text, Reva P., Phyllis F., and Carmela G. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, March the 1st, the 7 a.m. meeting, 18615, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 186. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of story, my phone just went blank to carry the message of recovery through the twelve steps of OA to those who still suffer Dwight M. to read the 12 steps. Morning, Dwight.
1: Hi, good morning. Thanks for your service. Uh, Dwight M., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Springfield, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Number three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Number four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Number six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Number seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Number 10, continued to take personal inventory. When we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Number 11, saw through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Dwight M. And Terry J. is going to read the twelve traditions. Good morning, Terry. Terry, please press star one to unmute. Sorry, Carmelo? sorry, I was double,
2: sorry, I was double muted. Good morning, this is Terry J. in Michigan reading the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three. to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly, (coughs) excuse me, directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Have a great day, everybody.
0: Thank you, Terry J. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. It does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're studying the foreword to the second edition on page XVI. We're reading the first paragraph, the two men, ending with, though no one realized it at the time, and we're reading on commenting on that one paragraph only. Reva P., would you read for us, please?
3: Good morning, this is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Hence, the two men set to work almost frantically upon alcoholics arriving in the ward of the City Hospital. Their very first case, a desperate one, recovered immediately and became AA number three. He never had another drink. This work at Akron continued through the summer of 1935. There were many failures. There was an occasional heartening success. When the broker returned to New York in the fall of 1935, the first AA group had actually been formed, although not realized it at the time. So good morning. My name is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, uh, what I notice in this paragraph is the word frantically, um, and when I think of the word frantically, think of the way I ate. It was frantic. There was a sense of urgency, certainness. I needed my fix. I needed it now. I thought, or it felt like I was going to rip in half if I didn't get my if I didn't get my fix, if I didn't get my food. Um, and then there was, you know, that couple of seconds of awe uh, relief. Um, and then the remorse and feeling disgusting. Um, um, and the shame and all the other stuff that goes with it. So what this reminds me is I need to work in the solution and do what I need to do um, for recovery as frantically as I pursued um, practically as I pursued the food you know I went to any lengths to get my binge foods and I need to go to any lengths for recovery second thing that strikes me is the word desperate Um, be desperate Um, we were reading in another meeting I attended how many of us could have recovered earlier Um, but you know when I thought about I I couldn't have because I wasn't desperate Um, this wasn't just like a nice idea this wasn't just like you know i think i'll do some spiritual uh, program and get more to nirvana this was like i i can't live one more day with another groundhog day waking up every morning saying it's going to be different and every night binging my face off falling asleep in my clothes unfeeling disgusting um it had to get to the point where i was desperate and desperate doesn't really have to do with the number on the scale um, or the medical consequences of this disease. Desperate has to do with, um, I guess, a physical but also a spiritual bottom. Like, I just can't live like this anymore. Um, and the thing that strikes me the most, it's almost like this cool research project. You know, in the paragraph before, they worked out the method. They worked out this method and tried it on on this person number three. And the method was, describe the problem. Um, do I really understand the problem? Have I really conceded to myself that I am a real compulsive overeater? And do I understand what that means? You know, the allergy of the body, the twist of the mind, and then present the spiritual solution. And that combination resulted in this man recovering and he never had another drink. Like, how hopeful is that? Um, The last Takes me as you know, many failures, but then occasional success. Like we persist, we persist. Whether it's trying to carry the message and letting go of outcomes, and persist with my own recovery, just you know, keep plugging along, trudging with purpose. Um, and with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Reva P. Open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share your experience too. So if you shared Monday or Tuesday, please step back and let others have their turn. Please say your name just it does help me
4: hear everybody. Who would like to share?
5: Leah F. F. Janet, F.
6: Janet F. B. M.
4: Barbara E. Jen A?
0: Uh, Anne. Jean S. Leah S., Janet C., Barbara E., Jen A., and on M. Was there anybody else? Jean S. from Utah. Who was that from Utah, please? Jean, J E A N, S like Sam. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. I have our list now, Leah S., Janet C., Barbara E., Jen A., An M., and Jean S.
5: Leah, could you start us off, please? Good morning. Thank you so much. Um, My name is Leah S., and I'm recovered and grateful in Brooklyn, New York. I love what Reva shared, and I'd like to talk about the surrender and the desperation. Um, maybe it's not uh, explained enough, but every time that I come upon a, any kind of challenge, I remember the first desperation that had happened to me when I became abstinent in 2014. It was such a deep, spiritual experience. I didn't even know why I was crying. I didn't understand what really, really meant that each challenge is not going to be solved with the food and that everything about my life is not going to be the food because honestly, that was what it was all about. Anything Oh, what is what are they gonna serve? Oh, where are we going? Expensive place? Oh, exotic. Oh, what everything. And I didn't understand that. How much I put emphasis on my life and the food surrounding it because I was looking for the solution in the food. And truthfully, the solution is so much bigger and so much broader and so much wider and so diversified. And it's all coming from the spiritual experience. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leah S. Janet C.,
0: it's your turn, followed by Barbara E. Good morning, Janet.
7: Hi, good morning. It's Janet B., recovered from compulsive eating in New Jersey. So I also look at that line that he was a desperate one, and I was a desperate one. For my first seven years in Overeaters Anonymous, I was desperate and didn't get one bit better. I mean, I was was really bad off. I was stealing food, stealing money for food, My bulimia became so severe that I needed surgery on my esophagus. I was desperate to recover, and I didn't recover. For seven years, um, I never got 30 days together. And I look at the story of this AA number 3 in the chapter of Vision for You is his story, and he talks about that he was desperate, too, for a while, right? He says on page 158, I've prayed to God on hangover mornings and sworn I'd never touch another drop, but by nine o'clock I'd be boiled as an owl. I assume boiled as an owl means like dead drunk. So he prayed, he begged God, and he swore. His problem wasn't that he wasn't desperate enough or that he didn't have enough desire. And that wasn't my problem either. I was desperate, I had a strong desire, but I didn't have the power right? Our book tells us lack of power, that was our dilemma, not lack of desperation or lack of desire. But thank God for this guy. Um, Two people came to his room and told him that what the solution was. They told him God ought to be able to do anything. And then he did something different. He didn't just beg God and promise. It says on the third day, he gave his life to the care and direction of his creator. I think the care only comes in if I'm willing to take the direction of my creator. I can't just beg God and say, please remove my food obsession. Then I don't want a God. I want a genie in a bottle or a Santa Claus. But when I give my will and my life over to his care and direction, that means I'm saying, God, take everything not just the food take my marriage take my job take my kids all of it and teach me to do your will in all of it and then what happened to this guy so beautiful it says he never had another drink god came in and just changed the soil of his soul so that the obsession absolutely couldn't live there and that is the miracle that we can all experience and with that i pass thanks
0: Thank you. And Janet, is it your last initial B, as in boy, or C, as in cat? Oh, me? It was Janet B, like boy. Thank you, Janet B. Barbara E., you're up, followed by Jen A. Good morning, Barbara.
6: Good morning, everyone. It's Barbara E. in New Jersey. So grateful to be with you. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, thank you.
6: Oh oh okay. I thought for a minute you were gonna tell me I, I needed to unmute. I mean, sorry. Well it's Barbara Ian, New Jersey, and grateful to be with you. I have a friend named Jim and he loves to do thousand piece jigsaw puzzles. And then he'll put the jigsaw puzzle together and take such care and it's beautiful and then find there are a couple of pieces of meat of the puzzle missing and throw them away, throw the whole puzzle away in disgust and begin another puzzle, another 1,000-piece puzzle. And if he's very lucky, all the pieces will fit together. Well, that was me in a nutshell. I would start a diet and do everything they told me, I would weigh and measure and eat those organ foods and have as much tuna fish as they told me and eat the eggs three times a week and I'd lose all the weight. But I was missing a piece of the puzzle. In fact, I was missing two pieces. So I never stayed thin. I always gained it back. So I had to finally find something that could put the pieces all together to be willing to suspend when I got to OA, my skepticism and bego- become willing to believe that there is a power that mm-hmm. I don't understand, but trust that can save me and restore me to sanity around food and my, ability, my inability to put the puzzle together and remember the, la- the consequences of my last oh. binge to be willing to go to a place I never knew I had, a power that could change me, and my negativity to positivity, to have God, my God, remove the bars that had been blocking me, keeping me in a prison of my own making by sharing my secrets with myself, my sponsor, and God, who already knew them but needed me to be aware of them and accept them and take the actions necessary to free me. And the things that were blocking me that I didn't realize I, I had blocking me were basically all around fear, fear of a, being afraid I won't get what I want, afraid of what people will think of me, afraid I won't get the respect or the approval of others, afraid to take responsibility for my own life, Afraid of, being of of the consequences of being truthful. Afraid of conflict and confrontation. Afraid of taking action. In other words, just afraid of almost everything. So
4: I had to Hi. really,
6: thank you. I really had to accept that there were three legs to the school stool and put all the pieces together and make a beautiful puzzle out of it. And that's the spiritual toolkit. Thank you, Atea.
0: Thank you, Barbara E. Jen A, you're up,
4: followed by On M. Good morning, Jen. Hey, Lynn, good morning. Thanks so much for taking the meeting this morning. This is Jen A, recovered in Colorado. I'm grateful to be on the line today, and I'm super grateful that these uh, frantic fellows did what they did. Right, Because if they hadn't gone out into this hospital and carried this message for fun and for free, we wouldn't have had number three. And we probably wouldn't have had a lot of yous or a lot of me's. And I love how it talks about, and I'm saying I love it in this paragraph, that there were many failures, but there were occasional heartening successes. Um, I haven't been in program that long. I've only been in these rooms for five and a half years. The first two years I started sponsoring, I never saw anybody recover. Today, after five years, there's only a couple of sponsees that I have that, um, you know, maybe have 365 days under their belt. Um, I'm sober. I'm living a saneful, useful life. I have to remember that. And I'm still going out and sharing this message with, with uh, the people that want to hear it. But what I have to say is it's really hard to put the food down. It's really hard. And and a lot of people either aren't hard eaters or they don't come in a desperate state. And I always ask my sponsor, Uh why do you say you loved working with me? And he says, I loved working with you because you came in so desperate. You were done. You were out of ideas. You were that hopeless girl. And, you know, these two guys were in the hospital frantically looking for the other hopeless fellows, just like themselves. And think about it today. If we put this situation and this scenario into the hospital today, who, what doctor in their right mind would let us come into hospital and talk about Overeaters Anonymous, right? Who would let us come in frantically, you know, talking about how you know they've been separated from food? I doubt that would. I doubt that would really happen today. But Doctor Silkworth, as we'll learn when we get to the doctor's opi- opinion, you know, he knew that he was pow- powerless. He admitted he was powerless. Mm-hmm over alcohol and the alcoholic. And so what did he do? He told these men, you know, you've got to have this vital spiritual experience, this spiritual awakening, this God consciousness. This all this clinical all this, you know, information is not gonna get you well. I can dry you out, but I can't keep you sober. That was my life. I spent times in clinics and gyms and with doctors and in diet programs and institutions telling me that they could get me sane and thin again and I never got both. The one program that has given me results on a daily basis because I do it every day and I don't stop is Overeaters Anonymous. These 12 steps saved my life and God continues to restore me to sanity on a daily basis. No better way to live. Thank you for one, two, and now Bill Dodson, number three, because if not, they wouldn't have saved a girl like me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jenny
0: on m it's your turn, followed by Jean F welcome on on please press star one to unmute.
8: Hi, Lynn. This is Anne here. recovered compulsive aresia from Ireland. Can I be heard? okay? Yes, thank you, Brilliant. thanks, Lynn. Thanks for your service and uh. Yeah, great chairs. Wow. Love this part. And uh, yeah, it just really brings me to um, working with others in step 12. And uh, yeah, just about, you know, how I need to uh, work with another suffering compulsive overeater in order to keep my recovery. And it's working, you know, on that altruistic plane. Um, I think it was shared earlier for fun and for free. And, you know, I have to work as frantically as carrying this message as I did while I was in the food, frantically trying to um, trying to get my way out of the food. And it is that, you know, that gift of desperation. And, you know, we shared earlier on about being desperate, doomed and dying. And definitely as a la- it has to be the last, the last resort, the last block or the last, you know, it has to be the last chance. Uh, if not, I'm not going to be desperate enough to throw myself into this into this program of action, and you know, I love as well just. Jim, it reminds me of jim on page 35 more about alcoholism you know where he failed to enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others and you know that just really brings it to me you know i've heard speakers saying you know about sponsees afraid to sponsor and she always replies i'd be afraid not to sponsor and you know it's not even for me today it is a joy it really is and and you know it's always um it's always a joy, but it's, it's that word I always see, you know, recovered. When I see this word recovered, you know, what it means to me. And it is to be free of the food, the mental obsession and the physical allergy. But it's also emotional sobriety at harmony with the world and myself. And I always never fail to see recovered and after it is always continued. That's why, you know, I need to do this. It's a daily program. and And, you know, it really reminds me of fellowship when it says, um, actually, being formed. You know, the first AA group had actually been formed to no, one though no one realised it at the time, and it just really brings it to me. You know, when two or more compulsive overeaters come together, you know, the third is my higher power, their higher power, and that's a meeting, and that's how simple recovery, you know, and fellowship is. But you know, it is always bringing it back to a higher power. Higher power has the key, and you know, it's the it's the answer to all our problems. And it is the problem. What is the problem? It is lack of power. You know, lack of power is my dilemma. But, you know, I have a pow- power, but there is work involved. I have to dig deep to find this power and to maintain that. I have to do, you know, my step 10, 11 and 12. And this is my step 12. And it is an absolute gift. And with that, I pass. Thanks again, Lynn, for taking the meeting.
0: Thank you, Anne-M. S, it's your turn. Good morning, Jean.
9: Good morning. This is Jean S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Utah. And, um, you know, I I was born in Ohio. (laughs) Didn't know um, up until last year that AA started in Ohio. And I definitely had family members, a grandpa that could have benefited from it. I don't believe he ever attended um, a meeting like that. Um, I also spent 35 years in California. Had no idea that OA was started by a woman named Roseanne in the Los Angeles, Hollywood area. Only learned that a year ago. Um, So, but a year ago, I was desperate. I felt, I had a case that felt to me a desperate one because um, a nurse practitioner kept telling me and I kept having to go back for every three months um to have my blood tested because I was pre diabetic heading toward diabetes and if you looked at my body it it wasn't necessarily suffering that way from what I looked like, but the blood the blood was the the true test and this doctorish person never told me to go to o a um but that turned out to be the solution. It's true, God turned out to be the solution. But I didn't realize till coming to even a vision for you. I was really blessed to find out about this meeting right away. So, um, and I've lived a long time. I'm I'm a senior citizen. So, uh, you know, my desperation came in 2021. So. It feels like desperation to me. I, I call myself a recovered compulsive overeater. I know things can change. This is a baffling, cunning disease. But I am grateful to have found these rooms, um, though I always, not always. <laughs> though in recent years, I felt I'd found God. Um, I'm so grateful to be reminded often that that, that God is the source of my recovery. And and the source of the changed person that I am, and uh, a source of the wonderful life I get to lead, and so I am so grateful, and I want to leave this with you, and I thank you for the opportunity to share, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Jeanette. For those of us who might have come on the line a little bit later this morning, we're continuing our step of the forward to the second edition. We're on page X. B-I-I, reading and commenting on the first paragraph, hence the two men. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, yeah. we ask that you limit your share to every day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, click back and let others have their turn. And please, Say your name just once. It does hear everybody. Who would like to share? Vasa O. Jennifer C. Rachel P.
10: Christina L. Ross M.
0: Okay, let me tell you who I got. Please. I heard Vasa O. Jennifer C. Rachel L. Russ M. And I believe there was a Christine. Is that right?
11: Christina L.
0: Christina L. Okay. I have room for one more, please. Connie M. Okay, great. I have Vasa O, Jennifer C, Rachel L, Christina
12: L, Russ M, and Pete B. Vasa, please go ahead. Thank you, Lynette, so much for your service and VASA. Great will recover compulsive over calling from Fort Charlotte, Florida. And I am so, so grateful for the person that carried the message to me when I was 41 years old, and I thought I was so old. I said, oh, I'm just so old. Looking back, I'm going to be almost half of my lifetime being in the program another few years. But, anyways, I I had the gift of desperation because, with everything I had tried up to that point, nothing worked, you know, and spent 25 years of my life trying to find a solution. None of it worked. Finally, I said to my, the person that uh, brought me to the program, I said, Well, this is my last hope. If I had given in to the food even before, I found the program because whatever I did just did not work. So I said, I'm just going to die fat and miserable, you know. And uh, I'm just so grateful. And I love to work with others that want to work the program, that do the program. And my sponsor told me I was very easy to sponsor because I willing. I was ready to do whatever it took from the killing disease, which I didn't even know was called a disease or eating disorder. I I never prayed to God about the food, you know. I I didn't even know I didn't even know I could pray. But she said, y- you know, you surrender you to a high, higher higher power greater than ourselves, and God will help us, you know, and surrender to the steps and the programs. And I was so ready and willing. I know there's like probably 450, 450 people listening to this, but listen to me. If somebody put a poop in a capsule for me to take it, to cure me from this disease, I would have taken it because I was dying gradually, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I've been trying. And I didn't know about the the emotional and spiritual part, any of that stuff. I just knew I was killing myself with the food, and yes, I was ready. And it's it is by the grace of my higher power, I did you know become abstinent from the first night I came home from the meeting because I did surrender to God, and I said, God, I can't do this. I can't. You can, and you will. My sponsor worked the the. She was also an AA. A. So she you know, she introduced me to the big book and she gave me this book and I said, Don't give it to me. I'm not an alcoholic. I guess I have a disease of compulsive overeating, eating disorder. She said, That's okay, just scratch alcohol and put food on the top and I could relate with the alcoholic it was just amazing. The powerlessness, the obsession, the mental obsession. I said, yeah, I'm one of them, but it's with the food. Time, please. Thank you. That's it. You know, this is the only thing has worked for me. I found the solution. What a gift! Thank you for letting me share, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Vasa. Oh, Jennifer C. It's your turn. Follow L. Please go ahead, Jennifer.
13: Hi. Good morning. Um, may I be heard?
0: Yes. Thank you
13: okay thank you um good morning everyone this is jennifer c miraculously recovered in greenville south carolina um you know i believe that uh all these words were very carefully chosen uh, when this book was written and um which which brings me to to looking words up right like what what was he saying um One of the definitions of frantically is in a hurried, excited, or disorganized manner. So clearly I don't have to have all my ducks in a row, right? Like, I don't know when someone, where someone is in their process. I don't have to have all my ducks in a row and have everything organized in such a systematic way in order to be of service to someone who is head deep in the food. Right. I bring compassion to the table. I bring commitment to the table. Um, it took me multiple sponsors, you know, 87 podcasts and until I thought truly that I was going to die from an entire jar of peanut butter. Like I truly believed that like peanut butter was going to kill me from being lodged in my throat. Right. Um, So there are many, many people that I will work with that will simply be in my life to remind me what a miracle this is, what a miracle this is, because like me, they will do the work, they will make the calls, they will go to the meetings, but they will not truly be ready to take steps one, two, three in a way that is deep and effective enough for the obsession to be removed. You know, which reminds me of Ebby because every time I sponsor, I step in to Ebby, not just a teacher providing assignments, perhaps it sounds you know <laughs> very similar, but but I know that only God can save people. It's his power, it's his love, it's his way of life, right? So what's my part? Do thy will always. um you know, Bill had to face his pride and prejudice before he could get that spiritual. Experience. So, so what I ask God is, how is this person, you know, cutting off their nose to spite their face? Right. I have to remember to depend upon a power greater than myself to open their eyes and their hearts to that same power. Right. But what's my part? I am all in. I am invested, like it's my own recovery. Right. Like it's my own recovery. What did I need? I needed hope. I needed to look at my beliefs, not just what I said I believed. I believe in God. Really? Because my behavior said I believe in food. I believe food has the power to save me. I believe food is my best friend. That's what my operating beliefs exposed, right? And I had to look at that. My actions showed that I still believed that I could depend I on you. So that's my job is to shine the light, help this person see their pride and prejudice, Right? And let God, let God be God. So thanks for listening and thank you all for being here this morning. With that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Jennifer C. Rachel L., it's your turn, followed by Christina L. Good morning, Rachel.
14: Good morning. This is Rachel P., recovered compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania, outside of Philly. Um, I think, I think. I I didn't hear other Rachel, so I I think that I was the name that you heard. Um, Yeah, this this paragraph is really powerful Um, and, of course, that word frantically is is striking me as it has others Um, that, you know, the two originals of AA knew if we don't pass this message along, if we don't help other people find the solution. This, is, this wonderful program is not going to sustain itself. Um, we need to help other people. You know, it's one thing to know something intellectually. It's another thing to experience it, like, on the heart level, on the spirit level. And then it's a whole other thing to, to teach it. That's where it really becomes integrated, where we teach it, where we can help other people experience this beautiful you know, spiritual awakening as well. Um, and I'm really grateful, you know, it, it clarifies here that there were many failures, but there was an occasional heartening success, and that really helps me kind of put things in perspective as somebody who works with others. You know, when I first started sponsoring, well, at first I didn't I didn't feel like I was ready, and just about everyone I've ever worked with in this program or talked to in this program has not felt ready when the time came, and I think that's all part of it. Um, because that fear of not being ready comes from the place itself. And we have to set that aside and plug into God, um, plug into this beautiful community and do it despite the fears. Um, you know, and I was very much in self-will when I started sponsoring as well. And I thought, you know, I'm gonna save people, I'm gonna fix people, I'm gonna be like the best sponsor ever. Um, and I learned the hard way, like there are failures. Um, and it may be a, quote, unquote, failure now. That doesn't mean that, you know, whatever we talk about, whatever we work on, isn't going to have an impact on them later on. It's just, you know, everybody's on their own journey. And it's not for me to play God and say when somebody is ready, when somebody's at that desperate place that they're ready to really you know, put down the food and with the steps like their hair is on fire. Um, you know, so I've learned to set aside my ideas of what I think I know about how how anybody else is supposed to recover. And just focus on sharing my experience, strength and hope around working these steps and really be a tour guide for somebody um, and helping them get to God. And thank you, God. Thank you, God. I had not sponsored in you know a couple months, um, patiently waiting, searching for somebody to work with and got a call a few days ago and started working with somebody last night and I'm so 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 grateful because I know I can't keep this if I don't time forward and thank you I'm working with others is is keeping me in the solution and um so so grateful so thanks I'll pass
0: thank you Rachel P Christina L it's your turn followed by Russ M good morning Christina
11: Good morning, Lynn. Thanks so much for your service. This is Christina L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Florida. And um, I don't think I have anything else to add. Just the the previous share was like exactly what, you know, what I was thinking and stuff. But I really appreciate um, the person who opened us up with their first reading on that definition of frantic and just that connection of, you know, that was how I used to live in the food was frantically, like just trying to hurry up and get it in me and stuff. And um, I I too I remember the first time when I, the first time I recovered um, and a couple of years ago and my sponsor texted me and asked me if I was ready for a sponsee. We were finishing going up through um, working with others and you know, there was a sense of fear that came over me. It's like, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I remember texting her, um, texting her and, and, and telling her, I'm like, I don't think I'll ever be ready. So I guess so. You know, I, I don't. And just like, um, you know, I have to rely and depend on God. And I think we, we covered that in a couple of paragraphs ago that, you know, my dependence must come from God. And God has given me everything that I need whenever I am sponsoring. I didn't think that I could be as good of a sponsor as um, the sponsors that I've had. It's like, how do they know, you know, the right thing to say or the perfect thing to say or where to point somebody into the book? And, um, you know, it, it it really does come from God um, and, and through my own experiences of, you know, just, being in the book too and and certain paragraphs and lines just really speaking to me when I needed to see them. And, um, you know, I am just, I'm just floored by how this program works. I've been reflecting on that a lot lately and, um, you know, it's it's such a miracle it's such a miracle and I'm just very grateful um for that and it's it's funny because right now, you know, I've I've got a sponsee and stuff, but um I'm not able to work with sponsees the way that I used to because my life situations have changed and stuff and um, um I'm finding that I'm not I'm not speaking to sponsees as often as I was prior and everything. And you know, my sponsor told me the other day, she's like, just pick up another sponsee because I'm not hearing, I'm not hearing from my sponsee as often, you know, as I used to with others. So, um, and that was, that was done. Um, Oh, thank you. Um, I'll, I'll pass, thanks.
0: Thank you, Christina L. Russ M. It's your turn. Hi, Pete. Keep... Good morning, Russ.
10: Good morning, Lynn. Russ, good morning, fellas. Russ M. Recover compulsive overeater outside of Philly. Uh, when when I we read this, the the frantic pace or frantic for whatever that was, um, you know, I think in my life, man, how am I going to get these sponsees in over the phone, or, um. Via Zoom or FaceTime, or how how am I going to uh, just talk to them every day rather than drive 15, 20 miles to get face to face with them to really help them in the hospital? You know, I, I take all this for granted, this whole program for granted. That you know what what uh, Bill, Dr. Bob, what those guys did, the 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 first group of AA. What they endured, man, they, they, they did this all like, you know, uh, by scratch. They did it old school. You know, there was no technology, and the phones that they have, if there was, I, I don't know when a phone was developed or whatever was invented, but I'm sure it wasn't up to the standards that we have. And I'm complaining that I have to work this program a certain way because it inconvenienced my time. I forget what these guys sacrificed. You know, I'm sure there's nights Lois is like, Bill, where are you going? What's 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 happening here? And he went out and did it. And it's only because of those guys and God inspiring those that crew, that first 100, the first sect of AA. No matter what, no no matter what way you're working the program or whatever other program that spawned from this, these guys sacrificed a lot, and I have to get back to that. I, you know, it's great going through the doctor's opinion and the rest of the chapters, yet sometimes we miss, I missed. I can't speak for nobody else, I miss the Fords and what these guys went through. You know, I'm only sitting here because of, because of Bill and Dr. Bob sacrificing time, energy, I'm sure their money, and uh, that I have anything. I just don't want to take this for granted anymore, so thanks for letting me share. Y'all have a good day, love yous.
0: Thank you, Russ M. And Pete
15: B, it's your turn. Please go
0: ahead, Pete.
15: Thank you, Lynn. Thanks for taking the meeting. My name's Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater and I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy, also in Pennsylvania. You know, I love the language that the book uses uh with regard to you know, the solution, you know, the desperation, rigorous, frantic. Right? And and it's and it's completely logical, you know, faced Faced with the destruction and the fresh memory of the pain and the guilt and the remorse and the, just the ugliness, the incomprehensible demoralization that we face because of the condition, that we would have that level, you know, that level of desperation. But you know what? Like, I got, I got good and bad news. Uh, the further away from that last compulsive bite, regardless of what we do, the memory of that pain and suffering will diminish. It'll get smaller and smaller, and eventually, eventually it won't be desperate, and it won't be frantic, and you know why? Because it's not supposed to be. See, the, see the creator put inside me a built-in forgetter, right? I'm, I'm designed to forget the pain, right? And the good news is, and our book tells us this, is that, that, that there's nothing wrong with that because memory is a mental defense, and we have no mental defense against the first drink or the first bite. We have a spiritual defense against that first drink and the first bite. So while I appreciate the desperation, I think the first thing that comes across most people's mind, we start talking about working with others and we get these passionate and and enthusiastic talks about the desperation and being afraid to afraid not to. The first thing comes over your mind, am I doing enough? Do I do enough? Am I good enough? Because that's another natural human condition. Here's the good news our book tells us on page 86. We relax. Take it easy. We don't struggle. We're often surprised how the right answers come after we tried for a while. Right? We've turned our life and will over to the care of God. We make ourselves available. We seek out the sick and try to bring to them what was been given to us. Right? It's not a struggle. I'm always good enough. Right? I do the best I can in any given situation. I do it whether it's fun or not fun, free or not free, convenient or inconvenient. You just do it. We leave the results in God's hand, and we recover and continue to recover, right? We can disregard all of these things we think we have to rely on, these outside resources, these outside memories, the stories, the analogies, the podcast, the this and that. We trust and rely on our Creator who meets every need we have as long as we surrender. Right? And I love what we say like, we don't, we don't struggle. It's not a struggle. It's not frantic. It's not rigorous. It's not laborious. You show up and do the best you can with the information you have available. If we fall short, we make amends and we do better next time. It's a design for living that really works and does not have to be this laborious, you know, if I forget. I'm doomed to repeat. Guess what? You're going to forget. We will be unable to bring into consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the pain and suffering a week or a month ago. It's going to go away. I don't remember what it felt like on May twenty-second, two 2017. I don't remember. Working with somebody isn't going to remind me. I work with somebody because God gave me a gift of recovery, and it's my job to pass the gift along to the next sick and suffering. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Pete B. And thank you to everyone who shared. And thank you to Team Wednesday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Wednesday, March the 2nd, the 7 a.m. meeting, is 18623. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164 followed by the serenity prayer. Phyllis F., could you please read for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. This is Phyllis, Recovered Compulsive Beater from Worcester, Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick.